In this episode, I'm going to respond to an email that I got, which uh, was in response to an episode that Mercedes and I recorded about big T and little t traumas from a while back. My name is Justice Sinceri. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. Welcome to Stuck Not Broken. This email is from Sarah and she says, Hi Justin, I just listened to your episode with Mercedes about the difference between big and little traumas. Without getting into it, I have had a lot of traumatic events, big, little, acute, and chronic, and I have spent years working to overcome them. I believe what some people call big T traumas are fundamentally different than life stressors, what some call little t traumas. I appreciated how you distinguish between them and why you believe it is important, too. Like you, I agree, different people have various levels of resilience that all of us move up and down the ladder and that people's experience should be validated, of course. What I never understand is why people want to name a life stressor as a trauma. It's like calling yourself a victim. People take those labels now when they don't fit. Is it for attention or sympathy? Those I know who are victims and trauma survivors wish they didn't have those labels forever because that would mean horrendous things hadn't happened to them. That's why I wish more people could feel valued enough not to take an awful label and could support those who must carry them. I believe all experiences are valuable and significant, but that doesn't mean I call freckles melanoma. I guess what I'm saying is that's why I wish more people knew how to distinguish between real trauma and life stressors, and I don't think they'd be dismissed or undermined by not overstating. I also wish people realized how important the stories are they tell themselves and how our narratives shape our perception, self-worth, and autonomy. She goes on, but I'm going to interject here. So Sarah, first off, thank you for your message. This came from a while back. Um, Thank you for being patient and waiting for it. Yeah, there's a sense of ownership to words, right? Words are pretty important. The words we choose, um, very important. Words can be, they act as a way to have a purpose or to have an identity or a sense of belonging or even validation, yeah. So can someone get that through the word trauma? Yeah, probably, I guess so. You know, it depends on what they mean by it and what they're seeking when they use the word trauma right? But on the flip side of things, one might get something out of dismissing someone else's pain as a way to validate their own pain. So like mine is real, but theirs isn't, right? So when we say big T or little t, it's describing the severity of the event, but not the impact of the event. We can never, I don't think we'll ever agree on the severity of an event from an outside perspective. And we will never know the impact from the outside. So those of us on the outside, I think there's some things that, you know, pretty obviously we can agree. Sexual assault, we can agree. Very severe event, right? A car crash, some of us might have been through one and be like, eh, it's not as severe as X, Y, or Z. So I I think there's, hopefully that illustrates that I don't know if we'll all agree on the severity of any of these things. And we will definitely not agree on how they should or how they do impact each of us individually because we're from the outside looking in. But what's important here and important in getting unstuck is the impact of the event in the present moment. And it all starts and ends with right now, right? So personally, I think in that episode I said as a therapist, 
it might help to know to to know what the event without it's been a while i think i had said like it might help to know if it's a big tier little team or, or the severity of it maybe something like that like it would help to know the where the the stuck nervous system came from but but i also kind of don't care what we call it either and i think mercedes had made, had made that point in that episode like what's important in getting unstuck is the impact of the event in the present moment when people in generally talk about trauma what they're referring to is the event itself but coming from a polyvagal and somatic perspective the trauma is not the event it's what you're left with it's the impact of the event now some events are obviously going to be more likely to be traumatic than others and i think that is what we mean by big t little t is that for big T trauma, and by the way, I, I, when I was researching that, like there's a lot of variations on what a big T trauma is, and what, especially on what a little, little T trauma is. It's a very subjective thing, it seems like. And that makes sense because we each have our own individual nervous systems, very subjective to who we are and our life experience. So when we say big T or little T, I think what we're referring to typically is the event itself, but maybe what we should be looking at is how these things, whether they're big T or little T, how they impact us day to day after the event, and especially including today, this moment right now. And, and from that vantage point, it, I don't care what we call it. I don't care if it's big T or little T. I don't even care if we call it trauma. What I care about is what's the state of your nervous system and how do we help you climb your polyvagal ladder? That's, that's it. So I can have two people, two clients, and not know what their trauma is. And this actually happens a lot. But what I do know is, well, first off, what they're presenting problems is what they want help with, right? But from there, what I definitely learn is, well, what's the state of your nervous system? What's the energy or lack of energy that you have? Are you more flight, more fight, more shutdown, more freeze, or more safe? So I can have two people and have no idea what their history is and just look at their presenting problems, but really focus on what's more important to me is, is where they're at on their polyvagal ladder and maybe how intensely they are at in their polyvagal ladder. Hopefully that makes sense. So to, so, so knowing their defensive state and then knowing the intensity of their defensive state, that's enough for me to get to work. I, I don't need to know, honestly, what happened in the past in order to make a difference today. I don't. Um, I, I don't need to know the event. And I, I regularly tell my clients, look, you don't have to tell me anything about what you've been through until you're ready or at all. That's a regular thing that I would tell my clients is you don't have to go into this stuff whatsoever. My concern is where are you out on your, in your, on your polyvagal ladder? And how do I, as a therapist, help you climb your polyvagal ladder? So not go, going into the past is not necessary for that. And I did an episode in a blog article uh, entry called um, Is Telling the Trauma Story ne Necessary? And if so if you're interested in that, you can learn more about that. It's called Is Telling the Trauma St Story or Narrative Necessary? 
And regularly, my clients, I don't know all their traumas. I don't know all the, sorry, traumatic events. I don't know all their traumatic events. I don't know all the things they've been through. I might not know any of what they've been through. Or maybe they've just named it, but haven't gone into it and described it and talked about it and, and really felt it in session. Or maybe they're actively blocking it out. That's fine. We can still do work. We can still make steps forward. That's totally fine. I, I walk into, I work for a public school. Um, I have walked into situations numerous times where someone is down their ladder and I step in and help out. I don't know the person. I've never talked to them. But what I see is where they're at on their ladder, just right off the bat, I can tell where they're at. If they're in flight energy, you, you know. If they're in fight energy, you know. If they're in shutdown, you know. And I've seen very extreme situations of all the of uh, of all these states. So I can walk into these situations where kids blown out of school, literally storming the campus, marching around the campus, swearing at the top of their lungs. And I can talk to this student, this stranger, someone I've never talked to before, who is at their most heated and get to work and, and help them climb their ladder. And again, this is things I've done before and will probably continue to do. <laughs> um, I used to work at a suicide and crisis hotline and people that were suicidal would call and I know nothing about their trauma, about what they've been through. All I know, and this is before I learned polyvagal theory, all I know is that they're calling and desperate for help and I get to work. I don't have to know the other stuff. I used to work in juvenile halls without knowing anything about these kids, the teenagers. I, I knew nothing about them. But I could still influence them. I could still help them climb their polyvagal ladders. Because what's important is what's happening right now. And so what we call that, big T, little T, whether we call it trauma or... I don't. It doesn't matter. Honestly, it doesn't really matter. Ultimately, what we need to know is what's happening now. Ultimately, when it comes to getting unstuck, the classification of trauma does not matter. The classification of, I'm sorry, of what you survived or what someone goes through, it, it does not matter in my opinion. It does not matter. It can, it can be helpful. So on my end of things as a therapist, it can be helpful. If I know that someone has survived daily physical abuse, sexual abuse, neglect, that's going to give me some indication of what to expect. That's going to give me some indication. So it can be helpful, but it's not necessary as a, as a provider. And just for me, just talking about me, me here. But at the same time, knowing these things ahead of time might give me a false indication of what to expect. Like me saying those things, a whole bunch of assumptions may have popped into your mind. And that may be a false indication of what to expect. So there's a ton of, var of variables to being stuck. And knowing a single piece of someone's history is is not the entire picture. So, again, what matters is the mo is in the moment, right here, right now, where are you at? And then helping someone to climb out of that and practice doing so and then build the capacity to do so on their own, self-regulation. So I, I think I still agree with what I said earlier, which is knowing it ahead of time could help. Knowing if it's, um, see, I feel like I'm a wishy-washy here, but yeah, if I knew ahead of time about my clients, like they fill out the assessment and I, I read, I read, you know, with, with my private pay clients 
at nighttime, I give the assessment out ahead of time um, and they fill it out. And then I read it before the session and then we talk about it in session if we need to. Or I'll ask for more information. But with, with those clients, I, I do. I know pieces of their history before we meet. And that kind of gives me an idea of what to expect, but it definitely is not the whole picture. It definitely is not the whole picture. So it can be helpful. It's not necessary. I, I think that's the differentiator. Like it can be helpful, but it's not necessary and could be a false indication and is definitely not the whole picture. So what does this have to do with with uh, Sarah's question? Ultimately, the point here, ultimately classifying it as big T or little t it doesn't matter. I think it might bring some, maybe some validation. It might help people to classify and name and label what they've been through. But as a provider, for me, as a therapist, it doesn't really do a whole lot. It, do, it just doesn't. Likewise, diagnostic labels for me don't do a whole lot. When, t- when someone tells me that they're They've been diagnosed with ADHD. That does honestly, absolutely, almost absolutely nothing for me because that is so ridiculously overused and covers an insane amount of things. So it does. It, those labels don't do a whole lot. Depression it gives you an indication of of uh, to me it means shutdown state. But again, it's like it's a label. It doesn't. There's not a whole lot that it tells me besides the shutdown state kind of stuff. Once I meet with that person, I get obviously a much clearer picture than a label could ever give me. So likewise, big T, little T it's classification, it's label, but it's nowhere near the whole picture of someone. Sarah goes on to say one thing you did not list in your big T traumas was domestic violence or assault. I wish you had, and that more people would being stuck with an abuser, knowing that leaving could mean losing your life risking your children, losing your house, and forfeiting your savings while being fundamentally stripped of your personhood seems to me to be very, very traumatic. Both acute and chronic. You get stuck at the bottom of the ladder because someone took all the rungs off, so to speak, systematically over the years. And when you come up, there's not much support in place, certainly not legally or financially to help. Climbing back up is hard. You're building as you go. That, yeah, yeah, I I don't disagree with anything that you're saying whatsoever. If we were to classify it, to me, that sounds like a big T trauma. So Mercedes and I, we we can't list everything. And, and that's what it boils down to. Especially, we had done that live. Like, we were just saying the first things that came to our minds. So on our end, there's zero intent to minimize any potential source of a stuck nervous system. And including, yeah, domestic violence. Yeah, sure. That's, of course... I would agree with you. I would, if we were to classify it, I'd put that in big T trauma. Heck yeah. We, we do not dismiss this as a big T trauma or any kind of T trauma or a a potential source of being, having a stuck nervous system. No, of course not. Uh, Just doing this things live. We we just didn't list a whole bunch of stuff. I think in that same live stream, someone had said, why don't you list war, you know, wartime environment. Yeah, of course that's a probably a, you know, big T trauma or it is a big T trauma. If we were to classify it, why didn't we list it? Just because we didn't think of it. That's all. That's all. Anyhow, she wraps it up. Anyhow, I've just really been enjoying your podcast. I wouldn't usually write, but I'm stuck at home 
like many other people. So I figured, why not? Thanks again, Sarah. Sarah, you're very welcome. Thank you for reaching out to me. I, I guess to, to wrap it up, um, let's, let's not use the word trauma, big or little, for this discussion. Like, it's, it's, it's a whole new vantage point and really kind of getting way out there, right? Let's, just, let's, let's run with this. What if we didn't even use the word trauma? What if we didn't use big T? What if we didn't use little t? What if we didn't even use the word trauma? Because again, to most it means the event. And to me, and probably to you as a listener, it, it, we're, we are referring to the state of your autonomic nervous system. So let's neutralize the effect of that classification of big T, little t. And let's use another word which might actually provide more clarity or another concept. Like what if we just referred to the polyvagal ladder? What if we referred to our, uh, our nervous system? Or what if we referred to our state? And, and these words apply to all of us. There's no debate needed here. It, it's, it simply comes down to, are you up or down the ladder? And what's the intensity of your state on the ladder? How long does it stay around for? What's your ability to self-regulate? And really, that when we talk about trauma of the nervous system, that's what we're talking about is the ability to self-regulate or to accept co-regulation or uh, the intensity of the state that you're in, that you're stuck in. So what, what, if, we, what if we just use that language? And in my mind, when I work with clients, I don't, the word trauma is not in my head. Those are the things that are in my head personally is where are they at on their ladder? How intense is it? How long has it been around for? Stuff like that, you know? So just as, as a new, as a potentially new way of looking at things for you or for my therapeers who uh, are into the polyvagal theory and applying it to their work, what if we just looked at things that way? And that applies to every single one of us again. We all have it. We all get stuck on our nervous system more or less, it doesn't matter the where that came from. The fact is that we are stuck there. That's real. And that's happening right now. So the source of it and debating about the intensity of it and the validity of these things, it just, that conversation no longer matters. It's just what's happening right now. Where are you at? And uh, how intense is it? And how do we get up the ladder, up your ladder? Now, I, I do want to be clear. I am not minimizing, I'm not attending, attempting to minimize the things that sent someone down their ladder and got them stuck down the ladder. That's extremely important. And it come, it'll come up in therapy. It'll probably come up in therapy. As you do work and you climb the ladder, that stuff is going to come up. But change happens now, not in the past. Change, the first step of change is it's going to happen in the present moment. It's going to happen with the client becoming more in the present moment and the client having more access to their ventral vagal safety pathways, biological circuitry. As they get more access to those things, then they can climb their polyvagal ladder. And then, yeah, these things are going to come up and will probably be dealt with in one way that just depending on therapist and what you, you know, what, what modality and what, therapist and client have chosen to do but yeah this stuff will come up in no way am i attempting to 
minimize or invalidate it at all. My focus is on the present moment. My focus is on getting to the next step up the ladder and getting unstuck. That's all. Hope that makes sense. But thank you for listening. I've got a Patreon with a ton more audio content and I cover a whole bunch of stuff over there. You're, you're welcome to become a member. Only $5 a month. And you get access to a whole other podcast that you can listen to in your favorite podcast player right alongside this one. Thank you again for listening, though. Bye.